Thank you for listening to this message from Resurrection Life Church in Granville, Michigan. Now, the truth is we are, we are in America, at least, very well taught when it comes to Scripture. And we really need to be reminded more than we need to be instructed in something new. And so today my intent is not to bring you anything new, but to remind you. Now, of course, this is Palm Sunday, and we're just going to kind of take off from Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday, by the way, most of you know this, was March the 4th, A.D. 32. Jesus was staying in Bethany at the house of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. He got up in the morning and he said to two of his disciples, he said, go into town. He's in Bethany, that's three miles from Jerusalem. He said, go into town. When you, when you get there, he said, you're going to see a donkey that's tied. He said, just untie it and bring it. And if anyone says anything, you just tell them the Lord has need. And they began to untie. Somebody said something. They said, Jesus needs him. They said, go ahead. They brought that donkey to Jesus and Jesus got on the donkey. And he goes up the Mount of Olives from Bethany. You go up the Mount of Olives. And then you'll actually start to come down and you go through the Garden of Gethsemane as you're coming down. Now, here we were. We were there just uh, last month. And uh, you can see that kind of dome structure there, the Dome of the Rock. It's right on the Temple Mount. So Jesus was coming down. And as he did, people came out of Jerusalem. And they were grabbing palm branches. And they were beginning to wave them. You remember the palm branch in the Bible is the sign of victory. It's, it's like the gold medal. It's like a blue ribbon. Uh, you look, for example, in Solomon's temple, in the temple in Ezekiel's time, uh, in Ezekiel, the last chapters, on the walls, on the doors, there's palm branches. It's a sign of victory. How many of you know God's house is to be a house of victory? Right? God's people are to be a people of victory. So they're waving them and they're shouting and they're saying, Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And of course, that Hosanna, literally they were saying Yashana, which means victory now. Victory now. And they're welcoming Jesus. He goes up into the Temple Mount and he preaches. And in the evening, the Bible says, he goes back to Bethany. And he gets up the next day. And Mark 11, verse, 20, verse, excuse me, verse 12, tells us, Now the next day, when they had come out from Bethany, he was hungry. I guess Mary and Martha slept in because Jesus didn't have breakfast. He's hungry, and he's, he's on that three-mile walk back to Jerusalem, to the Temple Mount. And seeing from afar a fig tree having leaves, he went to see if perhaps he would find something on it. And he came and he looked and he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season of figs. In response, Jesus said to it, let no one eat fruit from you ever again. And his disciples heard it. They finished their trip down into Jerusalem. Again, Jesus went to the Temple Mount. He taught the people. In the evening, he went back up that same trail, back to the house of Mary and Martha. And then on the next morning... The Bible says in verse 20, as they pass by, they've, they've left Bethany. They're on their way back into Jerusalem to the Temple Mount. As they pass by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. Now, when Jesus said something to that tree, something happened, but nothing was visible. What happened was unseeable. It happened in the roots that they died. 
But they saw it dried up from the roots, and Peter, calling to remembrance, said unto him, Master, behold, the fig tree that you cursed is withered away. And Jesus said to them. Now, this is Jesus' greatest discourse on the subject of faith. And you and I might think we know something about faith. But how many of you know we don't know anything compared to what Jesus knows? He is the expert. There's nobody who understands it more. And Jesus said, have faith in God. Have faith not in yourself, not in some innate power that's in the universe, not in the force, but have faith in God. For verily or truly, many of your translations say, I say to you that whosoever will say to this mountain, be removed, be cast into the sea, shall not doubt in your heart, but believe that those things which you say will come to pass, you'll have whatsoever you say. Now, I want to just point out two things to begin with that Jesus said. First of all, he starts his discourse with his disciples, talking to them, and he says, verily or truly. Now, the one thing that we all know about Jesus is this. Jesus always tells the truth. But when he's going to explain faith to his disciples, the first thing that he says to them is truly, or I'm going to tell you the truth. Now, this is what it means. It means he's going to tell you the truth. But when you hear it, you will not believe it. You're going to think, yeah, but there's something else. Yeah, but but, but that, that, that might work for Jesus, but that won't work for normal people. right? But Jesus says, Truly I say to you. And that you is you. It's me. He's telling anyone how faith works. He said that for whosoever will say to this mountain. Now, Jesus said the first thing that you need to know about faith is that faith works for whosoever will say. Now, we've always thought it just had to do with believing. And there is a believing element. But Jesus said the first thing about faith you need to understand is that faith works for whosoever will say. We can say it like this. The first thing that your faith will ever move is your mouth. And if your faith does not move your mouth, it will never move a mountain. It's going to first of all move your mouth. Now notice Jesus said... This works for whosoever. Now, when we see what Jesus did, that's not what we think. In fact, we read this and we think Jesus is going to say something like this. He said, you see how I cursed that fig tree and it died? Let me tell you something. I learned how to do that in heaven. God the Father does that because he's God the Father. I do that because I'm God the Son. This is a deity trick. Gods can do this. God the Father, God the Son, we can do this, but you cannot do this. If you try to do this, you will probably blow your lips off your face. We, we think, you know, this, is, this is just a Jesus thing. This is a God thing. But what did Jesus say? Jesus said, truly, I tell you that whosoever will say to this mountain, be removed. He's saying, you and I, for our faith to work, we need to begin to say something. The first thing that faith moves is always your mouth. Proverbs 18, 21 says, death and life 
are in the power of the tongue. And they that love it will eat the fruit thereof. You've heard somebody say you're going to eat your words. That's what the Bible says too. The Bible says you're going to eat your words. It says right here. It says that death and life are in the power of the tongue. And they that love it will eat the fruit thereof. When I was thinking about this message, the, the first illustration that, that came to my mind was when Moses sent the 12 spies into the promised land. The children of Israel have gone through the desert. They come to the Jordan River at a place called Kadesh Barnea. And the other side is the promised land, the land that flows with milk and honey, the land that God said, I have given to you. So Moses gets one representative from each tribe and says, I want you to go into the land and spy it out. He said, we, we want you to pass through. Tell us, are there valleys? Is it mountainous? Are there rivers? He says, are there cities? Are they large? Are they fortified? How many people are there? Are the people strong or are they weak? Just go in and tell us, what is the land like? So they go and they spend 40 days and they come back. And this is what they said. Well, we went to the land where you sent us, and truly it flows with milk and honey. Nevertheless, the people who are in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the mountains. The Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the banks of the Jordan. Then Caleb, <coughs> excuse me, quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and take possession, for we're well able to overcome or take possession. But the men who had gone up with him said, We're not able to go up against the people, for they're stronger than we are. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land, which they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone as spies is the land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw are men of great stature. There we saw the giants. The descendants of Anak came from the giants, and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we were in their sight. Now God had said, I have given you the land. But they said, we are not able to go up because they're stronger than we are. And God said, they gave the children of Israel a bad report. You want to know what a bad report is? It's when God says one thing and you say something else. That's a bad report. When God says you're forgiven and you say, you know, I just don't feel like God has forgiven me. I, I just don't think God wants to bless me. When God says you're delivered and you say, I can't get free. When God says he's left you his peace and you say, I don't have any peace. See, what we need to do is agree with God. And really, that is a great description of what faith is. It's when you agree with God. God said, I've given the land to you. They said, no, we cannot go in and take possession. Now, I don't know why it is, but it's always easy to believe a bad report. We just live in a negative culture. You don't say to somebody, hey, go down to the green light and turn right. You say, go to the red light. Well, why? It's green just as much as it is red. But we always take the negative side. You at least say, hey, I'm going go down to the traffic signal. Be neutral. All right? But we're always looking for the stop. We're always looking, we're looking for the negative. And the children of Israel... There were 12 spies. Two said, let us go in. We can take possession. But 10 said, no. Listen. So all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried, and the people wept that night. 
And all the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron. And the whole congregation said to them, If only we had died in the land of Egypt, or if only we had died in the wilderness. Why has the Lord brought us to this land so we fall by the sword, that our wives and our children should become victims? It would be better for us that we go back to Egypt. That's what they said. Now, this is what God said. Listen, say to them, as I live, says the Lord, just as you've spoken in my hearing, so I will do to you. Just as you've spoken in my hearing, I'm going to do to you. Every one of you who's 20 years old and above, you're going to die in the wilderness. Now think about this. There's practically 2 million adults. Every one of them died in the wilderness except for two. The two who said, we are well able to go in and take possession. Joshua and Caleb. Out of two million, only two went in. Everybody who said it would be better for us to die in the wilderness, died in the wilderness. And everybody who said, let us go in and take possession, for we are well able, went in and took possession. God was listening. In the New Testament, in the book of Hebrews, it says that Jesus is the high priest of your confession. In other words, what you say, Jesus is saying before the Father. It's interesting, they all got exactly what they said. And I believe that a lot of times you and I get in trouble because of the things that come out of our own mouth. The Bible says to take the shield of faith with which you will quench all the fiery darts of the enemy. And I believe this, most of the fiery darts that the enemy throws at us are things that came out of our own mouth. Things that came out of our own mouth. All right? So it's very important that we say, in fact, what, what we are to do as believers is we are to agree with God. Agree with what God has said in his word. In Acts chapter 27, Paul has been in a hurricane on a ship for two weeks. They haven't seen the sun, the moon, or the stars. And an angel appears to Paul and says, Paul, don't fear. He said, you're not going to die. God's going to preserve you. And he's granting you the life of everyone who's traveling with you. Now, let me just take a little side note here. I know of people that are afraid to get on an airplane. They said, what if it's the pilot's time to go down? Well, they're traveling with you. The angel said, God's sparing the life of everybody who's traveling with you. Now, he was a prisoner. There was the owner. There was a centurion. There were Roman soldiers. There's all sorts of people. And Paul was a prisoner, but everybody was traveling with Paul. They didn't know it. Right? And God said, I'm giving you the life of everybody who's traveling with you. Don't be afraid. You're going to stand before Caesar. So Paul went before the entire company that was on the ship, 276 people. And he said, now I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. For there stood by me this night an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve, saying, Do not be afraid, Paul, for you must be brought before Caesar. And indeed, God has granted you all those who sell with you. Therefore, take heart, for I believe God that it will be just as it was told me. Now, here's what he said. I believe God that it will be just 
as it was told me. Look, faith is believing that what God said is true about you. That's what faith is. Faith is not you're coming up with some crazy thing, idea. Faith is a response to what God said, believing that God will do what God said he will do. Now, Paul had an angel show up. You probably won't. But you do have a book full of the promises of God. And it says in Corinthians that all of those promises for you are yes and amen. James chapter 3, verse 4. Likewise, look at a ship. Though there are so, excuse me, though they are so great and are driven by rough winds, they're steered by a very small rudder wherever the impulse of the helmsman desires. Even so, the tongue is a little member. So he's saying, he's saying, just like a ship, it's huge and it goes through a storm, but the storm doesn't determine where the ship goes, the rudder does. And he says, just like that rudder to the ship, your tongue is in your life. And your life should not be moved continually by the storm, but by the rudder. What's your rudder? It's your tongue. He also compares it to a, is it a bit that goes in a horse's mouth? A bit. Now you can have a horse weighing 14, 1500 pounds and you put a bit that weighs two or three ounces in that horse's mouth, James says, and you can control that whole horse. You can make that horse stop. You can make him go to the right. You can make him go to the left just because of that little bit. And the Bible says again, James says, and your tongue is like that bit. Your tongue determines the direction that your life is going to go. Dr. Cho pastors the largest church in the world in Seoul, Korea. In his book, The Fourth Dimension, he talks in there about having breakfast with the leading neurosurgeon of Korea. And they're sitting there having breakfast, and the leading neurosurgeon says to Dr. Cho, he said, we have a new discovery. He says, this is a great discovery. He said, we have discovered that the speech center in the brain rules over the entire nervous system. He said, you know, if, if you say, I am weak, he said, the speech center speaks it, but the entire nervous system says we're weak and begins to be weak. If you say I'm a failure, he said your entire body, the entire nervous system prepares for you to be a failure. If you say I'm old and can't do anything, the, the neurosurgeon said your body responds, the entire nervous system responds to what you say and begins to act in that way. This is a great new discovery. Dr. Cho said, oh, you'll know this for a long, long time. And, and the, the lead neuro says, no, no, you don't understand. He said, this is a new discovery. He said, this is going to change the way we do much of medicine. And, and Dr. Joseph said, no, you'll know for a long, long time. You'll know this for a long time. He says, you could not know a long time. He says, this is a new discovery. He said, no, you'll know for a long time. You'll learn, you'll, you'll learn from Dr. James. And then the neurologist says, Dr. James, who is Dr. James. Dr. James, New Testament, chapter 3. Tongue, little member, control, whole body. Yeah. Little member, but controls the whole body. It is so interesting. In numbers, everybody got exactly what they said, exactly what they were believing. Listen to, to, to uh, numbers. As God tells the children of Israel how to bless how do you bless somebody? He says, speak to Aaron and his sons, saying, this is the way you will bless the children of Israel. Listen, this is how you bless them. Say to them. 
How are you going to bless them? Say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you. The Lord be gracious to you. The Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. So they shall put my name on the children of Israel and I will bless them. How do you bless? You bless them when you say. On several occasions, we've had that opportunity to be in Israel in the home of an Orthodox Jewish rabbi on Shabbat dinner. And every time the rabbi does the same thing, he gets all of his kids and he lays his hands on each one of his children and blesses, speaks a blessing over each one of them. You know, you need to be saying some things at your house, saying some things about your marriage, saying some things about your children, say some things to your body, say some things to your finances, right? The way that you bless is you bless by saying to them, speaking to them. Jesus said this in Matthew 4. It said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word, listen, that proceeds out of the mouth of God. God's word was originally spoken and then it was written. But it was written so that you could speak it. We're going to come back to that, right? It's written so you and I can speak it. In 1 John chapter 5 and verse 4, it says, This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Now, several years ago, I was watching public television, and they had a contest between a group of professional athletes. Now, they had a guy that was a golfer. They had a tennis guy. They had a swimming guy. They had a baseball guy. They had a football guy. I think there were like eight or ten of them, all right? All professional athletes, top athletes, all right? And they were competing against each other in sports that none of them were professionals in, all right? Just like normal people. So they're going to do a bicycle race, all right? And I think it was a mile bicycle race. But they get, line them all up. They've all got identical bicycles. And there is this, this football guy. Now, he is like a halfback, all right? He is a, he's a black American guy, and this guy is amazing. He's like 300 pounds, and there's no fat. I mean, there's just, mu he, there, muscles are just, they're just like ripping out all over. This guy has muscles in places. I don't even have places. You understand? I mean, this guy, he's got his, his leg up there, and the muscles in his leg are just like jumping out, and, and there's veins sticking out, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. He is going to kill them. He's going to crush them. You know, so they shoot the gun. Sure enough, boom, he takes off. He's 50, 60. He's maybe even more than that yards in front of everybody. And he is smoking everybody for about 200 yards. And then it was like he put it in reverse because he ran out of steam and everybody passed him. Right? And, 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 and honestly, he got beat so bad it was funny. Right? Now, you would not want to meet him on a football field because he would hurt you. You met him in an alley, it's over. All right? But on a bicycle, <laughs> it'd be all right. Because that was not his arena. Right? This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith.
if you will stay in the arena of faith, you will come out victorious. Right? But the devil will always try to get you on a bicycle. He'll try to get you out of the arena of faith. He'll want to get you into the arena of feelings. And say, well, how do you feel? Don't you feel depressed? I don't feel like you've got it. You feel like you have any victory? Do you feel any? Do you, what do you feel? The devil will try to get you in the arena of circumstances. He'll say, well, it looks to me like things haven't got any better. It looks to me like things are going back. It looks to me. Or he'll try to get you in the arena of your past. He'll say, well, you know, you didn't have victory before. You know what? Everybody in your family has been a failure, and you're probably going to be a failure too. He will try to get you in any arena except the arena of faith. Because if you stay in that arena, arena, you will overcome. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 16. And since we have the same spirit of faith. Now listen, faith is not a formula. Faith is a spirit. Right? Faith is a spirit. We have the same spirit of faith. Now, he's going to go back and he's going to talk about King David. Now, look, King David was about 14 or 15 years old and he had the spirit of faith. Moses was 80 and he had the spirit of faith. It doesn't matter if you're a senior citizen or if you're a teenager, you can have the spirit of faith. And listen, he describes it according to what is written. I believed, therefore I that's what the spirit of faith does. The spirit of faith, it believes, therefore it speaks. He said, we also believe, therefore we speak. When you have the spirit of faith, that faith is going to move your mouth, right? You believe in your heart, you say it with your mouth. Romans 10 and verse 6. But the righteousness of faith speaks in this way. Do not say, do not say in your heart. Now, there are things that the spirit of faith will not say. You understand that? When, when, when Josh was going to take the city of Jericho, the plan was march around it every day for six days once, and on the seventh day go and march around seven times. And then stop, blow the trumpets, everybody shout, and God said the walls are going to fall down. Now, this is what Joshua told everybody. He said, do not say one word. He said, you walk around that city, you do not say one word. Do you know what they would have been saying if they'd have been talking? We've been rocking around this thing for 10 times and nothing has happened. I think that that Joshua has lost his marbles. God was with Moses, but God is not with, with Joshua. And we are never going to see this thing going down. Well, we're never going to have any victory. We're not going to get the promised land. We're going to end up having to go back in the desert. They would have been saying the wrong thing. I'm a fisherman, so I like this. You think about this. I've never seen a fish on a wall with its mouth shut. Some of you will catch that later, right? But there's a lot of people saying the wrong thing, all right? Do not say in your heart. Uh, my dad was in World War II, and a lot of the, the, his comrades did not make it back. And he didn't talk a lot about it, but he, would, he said this hundreds of times that I heard him. He said, I should have died in the war, but I didn't but I will never live to be 50. I should have died in the war, 
but I will never live to be 50. I'll 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 never live to be 50. I heard him say it so many times. You say, what happened? 49, he died. Romans 10, verse 6. But the righteousness of faith speaks in this way. Do not say. Do not say. Don't say anything that disagrees with God. Do not say in your heart, who will ascend into heaven that is to bring Christ down from above? Or who will descend into the abyss that is to bring Christ up from the bed? But what does it say? The word is near you. What does faith say? The word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart, even the word of faith which we preach. A lot of us need to make the connection, right? Where we get our heart and our mouth in sync. Remember, faith is going to first of all move your mouth. Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. God's word was first spoken, then written, but it's written so that you can speak it. Joshua 1.8, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate therein day and night. Job chapter 22 in verse 8, you will also declare or decree a thing and it will be established for you. So light will shine on your way and when they cast you down and you say, exaltation will come. And you say, exaltation will come. Then he, God, will save the humble person. Isaiah 59 verse 21, as for me, says the Lord, this is my covenant with them. My spirit who is upon you and the words which I put in your mouth shall not depart from your mouth, nor from the mouth of your descendants, nor from the mouth of your descendants' descendants, says the Lord, from this time forth and forevermore. Psalms 91, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge, my fortress, my God, in him will I trust. Psalms 27, the Lord is my light, my salvation, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life, of whom shall I be afraid? Hebrews 13, therefore we will boldly say, the Lord is my helper. What can men do to me? Romans 8, 31, what shall we then say to these things? What shall we then say to these things? When trouble shows up, you are supposed to say something. If God be for us, who can be against us? Revelation 12, verse 11, they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. How do you overcome the devil? By the blood of the lamb and the word of your testimony. But what does faith say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart, even the word of faith which we preach. There is a miracle in your mouth. There's a miracle in your mouth. Now, I want to close with this. I know I'm preaching long, but I want to hear this story myself. <laughs> it's just about 20, 21 years ago. There was a couple that lived in Ludington that attended church here. Every week they came from Ludington, right? drove down, drove back. And uh, he had worked in the fishing industry up there, charter boats. So he called me up and he said, hey, I want to take you fishing. Uh, come on up, bring some of your boys. And so I brought Samuel and Daniel. 
Now, at this time, I think Daniel was nine, Samuel was like 11, something like that. And we go out north of Ludington up at the point, and we're fishing for several hours. And then we decide to come back, and we are shooting back across Lake Michigan. We're a couple miles from shore. We're probably doing 30 miles an hour. And Samuel can help me with this part because he said I got it wrong last service. He said, but the motor started to sputter. And so the, the, the captain said, Samuel, take the, the, the steering wheel. And so he's got the steering wheel, and they've slowed down some. And when he opens up that, that motor cover, water just starts shooting out. And he said to Samuel, turn off the engine, which was the wrong thing to do. We didn't know it at the time, but we had hit a log as we were going across. We had a hole in the boat about this big. And when he turned that engine off, the, the boat kind of laid down, and we just started taking in water. I mean, almost immediately, we were standing in water. So he gets on the radio. He goes, Coast Guard, Coast Guard, Mayday, Mayday, Mayday. Coast Guard responds. You know, what's the emergency? We're sinking. And he says, where are you? And, and, and he gives them the Lawrence numbers, you know, off the, the, the equipment. He gives them the numbers. They know within 100 yards of where we are. And they said... We're on our way. We'll be there in 20 minutes. <laughs> the water is now above our ankles. All right. I said to the captain, I said, I, said, I said, do you have any life jackets? He said, yeah. I said, where? He showed me. I put one on Samuel. I put one on Daniel. This is where Samuel forgets everything forgets because he's gone. I took each of them and I threw them in. And I said, shores two miles that way, head that way. You say, why did you do that? Have you ever seen a movie where a ship goes down? There's that big, you know, that vortex thing and just sucks you in. I wasn't going to have my boys getting sucked in. You know, I threw them in and said, head for shore, you know. And I, I turned to the captain. We are standing, the water is about at our knees. I mean, we have got less than a minute and that boat is going down. And I've never seen so much terror in anybody's face. And he said to me, he said, Pastor, I can't swim. And my first thought was, this is not a good time for lessons. <laughs> now listen, here's what most Christians do. Most Christians wait until their boat is sinking. And then they want lessons in faith. Right? Then they're like, where's the Bible? Where's the Bible? Bible. Give me a Bible. Where's the verse? Bible verse. Give me a verse. Where's the verse in the Bible? Where, what does the Bible say? Well, that's the wrong time. Right? That's not time for lessons. Right? You've got to put God's word in your heart in the day of opportunity so that it's there in the day of adversity. Right? Because it's just not, listen, it's not just what you say. Listen, this is what Jesus said. Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. It's great that you're watching your words. We should. But you know what? We've got to put the right thing on the inside in our heart. Right? And you do that every day. If you'll do that in the day of opportunity, when the day of adversity shows up, what's going to come out of your mouth is what you have in your heart in abundance, right? And that should be the Word of God. That's what should be there. Now, Saturday night I forgot to tell the rest of the story, so here we go. All right. There was a boat 
I don't know if it's a half a mile away, it saw us going down. And uh, they came over right as the boat went bloop, bloop, bloop down. They grabbed our captain and they saved us. The Coast Guard came, they took us back. Daniel had hypothermia. We put him in the shower for about 20 minutes, warmed him up, cooked steaks, and had a great dinner. <laughs> listen, not everybody, listen, there's a lot of Christians that don't have their day of adversity in that way, right? Because they aren't ready. They aren't ready. But you can get ready by putting God's word in your heart today. And remember, faith needs to be in your mouth and in your heart. And that faith is confidence that God will do what God told you he would do in his holy word. Right, would you please bow your heads for just a moment. Nobody moving around unless it's absolutely necessary. Again, the, the best known verse in the Bible. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God loves you. And there is nothing that you could do that would make him love you more. And there's nothing that you've done or could do that would make him love you less. God is love. And he wants to express that love to you. He wants to forgive you. And he wants to make you a part of his family. And I do not believe that it is a coincidence that you're here today. I believe you're here by divine appointment. And God wants you to respond to his love. Some of you, you've made decisions that have taken you away from God. But today he wants you to respond, to make a decision, to come, to receive his forgiveness to become a part of his family. You say, how do I respond? God wants you to do two things. First, he wants you to turn away from your life of sin and selfishness. And the Bible calls that repentance. And then he wants you to come and receive Jesus. It is not enough to just know about Jesus. It's not enough to believe that he came, died, and rose again. John 1.12 but as many as receive him, to them he gives the right to be the children of God. You need to receive him. Now, if you're here today and you're away from the Lord or you don't know where you stand with God or you, you know you're, 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 you're very far from God, you say, I want to get right with God today. I want to receive his forgiveness. I want to receive his love. I want to be a part of his family then I'm going to count to three in a moment. When I say three, I want you to lift your hand. We're going to pray together, and God is going to meet you in this place. And when we say amen, your past will be gone. You're going to be forgiven, right with God. You're going to be a child of God on your way to heaven. But here's what you should know. You need to know. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Your way will not get you to God. My way will not get me to God. There is one way. That's why Jesus came. Because you and I owed a debt we couldn't pay, so he came and paid a debt that he did not owe for you and me. He is the only way to God. So as you lift your hand today, first thing you're saying is, God, 
I know I'm a sinner and I need forgiveness. And I know there's one way to you, one way to receive that forgiveness, and that's through Jesus. And so I'm coming to Jesus today to be forgiven, to be made a part of the family of God. One. Secondly, when you lift that hand, you're saying, God, I want to be forgiven, not condemned, saved, not lost. I want to go to heaven, not hell. And today, I am turning my back on my old selfish life. I'm no longer living to please myself. I'm going to live for Jesus. Two, now get ready to lift your hand. When you, when you lift that hand, you're saying, today by faith, Jesus is going to come into my heart. He is going to blood wash me from my sin. I'm going to be forgiven. My past is going to be gone. He's going to make me a new person on the inside, part of the family of God on my way to heaven. Three, lift it up right now. Say, pray with me. Thank you. I see that hand, that hand. One, two, three, four, five hands in that section. Another hand back here, another hand here, another here, another in the back there. Thank you. God bless you. Are there others? God bless you. Three hands, four hands right here. Somebody else? Thank you. God bless you. Right over here to my left, in the back, up in the balcony. Thank you. God bless you. And God bless you. God bless you. Another hand back here. Young lady in a white sweater. All right. Over here. Thank you. All right. I'm going to ask everybody to stand, but nobody moving around. Now, if you lifted your hand, please look right at me. I want you to grab your Bible, your coat, somebody you came with, whatever you need, but make your way to the aisle and come right down here. I'm going to meet you. I'm going to come down. We're going to pray. God is going to meet you right here, right here. Don't, don't, don't hold back. If you lifted your hand, just grab whatever you need. Make your way right down here. God is going to meet us right here. We're going to say amen in just a moment. From the balcony, just make your way down. We're going to wait for you. Just make your way down all the way from the balcony. All right? When we say amen in just a moment, your past, it is going to be gone. You're going to be right with God. You may have made decisions that walked you away from God, but today you're making the right decision. You're confessing him before men. And he said, I will confess you before my father who is in heaven. Now, awesome. Now, I want you to look at me and listen really careful, right? Because what faith is, is it's responding, it's believing that what God said he will do. Romans 10, verse 13 says, whosoever, that means you, this is going to work for you, will call on the name of the Lord. Now, we are going to call on his name the way the Bible shows us to. And this is God's promise. Will be saved. All right? Will be saved. So this is what you need to do, right? You need to pray this prayer from your heart. Now, I'm going to have you repeat this prayer, and I want you to make the words your own. Just speak them out of your heart, all right? And when we say amen, you are going to be forgiven, right? Your past is going to be gone. God's going to come in. He's going to make you new on the inside, all right? You're going to be a part of his family. All right. All the way from the balcony, thank you for making it down. Awesome. 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 All right. Now, everybody, take one hand, put it over your heart. Just show God we're sincere. Lift your other hand towards heaven. That's where our help comes from. 
And let's all pray together with everybody that's come forward. Say, oh God, I believe that Jesus died on the cross. I believe his blood paid for my sins. And I believe that he rose again. And today I receive him as my Lord and Savior. I turn my back on my old life. I'm not living to please myself any longer. I'm living for Jesus. I thank you. Your blood washed me from my sin. That I'm forgiven. That my past is gone. That you make me a new person on the inside. A part of your family. Forever and ever. In Jesus' name. Amen. For more information about Res Life, please visit our website at reslife.org. If you have questions about Res Life or would like directions to visit us, please feel free to call 616 534 4923.